Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So we're at our sixth class, sixth class of our 34 class review of jhana. This is the fifth part of the Sakabatana Sutta, the concluding section. Um, and it's the last little bit of it, but there's so much here. Uh, similar to the Anapanasate Sutta, um, with, and that concluding um, section with a little bit more detail in the Anapanasate Sutta. Um, so the entire Dhamma continually, continually resolves in what we as Dhamma practitioners are holding in mind this moment. And that, and that is reflective in um, a general way to the development of right view. So as we continue our Dhamma practice, as our concentration increases, our ability to stay within what we would call right view also broadens and deepens. And so this last part um, is reflective of being able to do that. So um, it's very interesting. The more I teach this, the more um, interesting it becomes to me to seeing how profound this teaching is that uh, the first time I read it was, wow, this is really something. Uh, now, the hundredth time I read it, it's like, wow, this is really something. <laughs> I don't mean to be flippant. This is, it's such an amazing sutta. Um, and the, the Buddha wasn't a mystic, so he didn't teach anything in a hidden way. He wasn't trying to wow us later on with a big reveal. He just laid it all out there. But in so doing so, it is almost as if he left some things hidden for us to find, but it really isn't that way. It's not that he left things for us to find. He left things for us to grow into. So you've heard me say often that let the Dhamma come to you. Let it wash let it wash over you. Don't grasp after it. And this is why we can't, but physical growth and physical life is experienced as moment after moment after moment. We can't rush it. I can't get to 70 before I'm 70. I've got a few more years, so I'm going to take my time getting there. We have to wait for the right moment for everything. But we don't have to wait for the right moment to awaken, to gain full human maturity. That's here present in each and every moment for a, for a Dhamma practitioner. It's not there for people that don't practice the Dhamma. All right, we, we've set in motion something for ourselves. We've decided to do this. Nobody else said, you know, you better go practice the Dhamma if you're gonna save your ass because that's not what this is about. We come to this Dhamma because we've tried other things and other things left us confused. Um, maybe even a little bit frustrated, maybe even a little bit angry. Here we find something that we can actually do, we can understand it, and it delivers exactly what the Buddha promised us, a calm and peaceful mind, 
resting and understanding four simple truths. The last part of the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha's words. Furthermore, one remains mindful of the quality of mind in reference to the four noble truths. Right? Again, there's so much in here. Furthermore, one remains mindful of the quality of mind. Mindful of the quality of mind. So the quality of mind is an object that we can be mindful of. It's something that we can categorize. We can look at it. We can understand it. Prior to that, prior to coming to Dhamma, I don't think any of you would have had a thought of maybe there's something value in understanding the quality of my mind in this moment. Did anybody ever have that thought before Dhamma practice? Really? Well, I've been. Always got to bring argument. Psych major in college. Um, I don't include psych majors in this. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. In that case, got nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were yeah you were predetermined to see a certain quality of mind. And and you you're you're always looking for quality of mind, usually in other people, but then later on it reflects on your own quality. Well, but also. It, it, that inquiry is based on a therapeutic view, isn't it? Meaning, let's oh, yeah. find something wrong here. Yeah, or, or let's find but, out what's going on. Yeah, uh, diagnosable. Yeah. Uh, you know, or do I, can I recognize a theory in here or, or what? Uh, drill, it, drill it down to what's yeah. the purpose. It's salvation. But the quality of mind is something that, that you would look at. Yeah. Uh, after a while, it gets, it gets obsessive. And then all you're looking yeah, and not for always for other people, not yeah. my own quality of mind. So, furthermore, one remains mindful of the quality of mind in reference to four noble truths, something very specific, too, isn't it? So, in this moment, my mind is 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 a reference point if I developed it enough to four noble truths. It could have been my mind could be a reference point to the local box score. That's what I put in my my box score would be the the results of today's baseball games. If that's what I put my mind into, that's going to be what's reflective of my mind. If I was, if I spent the afternoon um, looking at a catalog of, um, I don't know, wow, of, of dinner placements, why am I thinking of dinner placements? That's what be, would be reflective of my mind, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be very useful to you for me to be talking about that, and hopefully I won't start talking about it. I'll keep it on this. So I'm going to talk about the Dhamma because that's what I'm holding in mind in this moment. We've agreed to come together for an hour and a half or two on this subject. So it's also agreed upon that this is what we're going to be doing. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this in a, in a rather uh, immaturish way, maybe pedantic way, but to make the point, this is what we're doing here. This is Dhamma practice. This is how we do it in a formal setting so that once we leave here, we can take that same four foundations of mindfulness and maintain that reference point to four noble truths each and every moment of our lives. That's our Dhamma practice, right? It's not a memorization of four noble truths. And actually, it's an understanding of four noble truths that is rather, rather malleable. It, it changes and shifts with whatever ever is occurring, doesn't it? And our, um, our perception and ultimate resolution of what's occurring, even if it might be, excuse me, 
even if that resolution might be instantaneous, thought by thought by thought, if I'm involved in something, it's still in reference to whatever my foundation is. So if my foundation is the four foundations of mindfulness, right? We began this second class in the, the first class on the Sakatana Sutan, four foundations of mindfulness. Being mindful of the breath and the body, being mindful that thoughts and feelings arise and pass away. Sometimes a thought attached to a feeling, an emotion, it, but they all arise and pass away. They're all impermanent. Such, uh, such are the hindrances that might block us from developing that. We looked at that in the first part of the, the second part of the Satipatthana Sutta. We also looked at the suffering that is involved from misunderstanding what's occurring here, the five clinging aggregates. Right? The ongoing personal experience of suffering, form, feeling, perceptions, fabrications, concretized thoughts about ourselves in relation to the world, all maintained by consciousness. That thing that everybody in the, in the world is so quick to make it something special, my grand cosmic consciousness. I'm part of the grand cosmic experiment. No, I'm not. I'm just a human being having a human life. When I take my head out of the cosmos and bring it down here on earth, then I can understand my life because my life is occurring right here, right now. Not at some point in the future that I might get to with enough prayers, enough bowing, enough chants, enough this, enough that. Well, I'm enough right here and right now. And how do I know that? Because I'm having a life. That's the only explanation that I need to give for my life. Here it is. Now, if I'm in, engaged in a life that is antisocial in such a way, hurtful towards others or hurtful towards myself or hurt, hurtful towards both, then society has a way of working on that with those types of people. And if I don't want to get involved in the world in a certain way, I'll be mindful of certain behavior. But here I'm asked to go even further. It's not just behavior that you might notice but behavior that I can no longer run away from, the story that's going on in my head. That's what begins with the four foundations of mindfulness, finally looking at me. Finally, be, the Tibetan word for meditation is gom, G-O-M. It has nothing to do with our meditation, but it does mean to become familiar with. So we're becoming familiar with what? Ourselves. But not ourselves in a, even a general way. Ourselves right here, right now. Immediately, what's occurring to me right here and right now? I'm not trying to get a better head so tomorrow I can be calmer. The Dhamma is, is practiced right here and right now. Buddha continues, remain mindful of knowing the cause or nature of dukkha or stress, all forms of stress and confusion. Two, the cause or the nature of the origination of that stress. Three, the cause or the nature of the cessation of stress. And four, the knowledge and integration of the Eightfold Path leading to the cessation of stress. That's my reference to the quality of mind. That's what I'm holding in reference to, to in the quality of mind. My mind in this moment is referential of understanding stress, understanding the nature of stress, understanding the cessation of stress, and understanding that it is the Eightfold Path that continually provides that cessation of stress. So there's a whole lot here, isn't there, in a few sentences. But it 
really is just one thing. This is not me. This is not mine. This is not what I am. Everything that we learn in the Dhamma can be boiled down into that. Nothing is personal. I am simply a dispassionate reference point to what's occurring in my life moment by moment by moment. And in so doing, I'm able to understand what's occurring right here and right now. And my mind remains calm no matter what. How does it remain calm through understanding? Right? Not through, not through acquiring anything except understanding. Right? I'm not trying to get something I can put in a safe and hope nobody finds. It's something that I can never lose once I own it, unless I choose to. Once we get to a certain point in the Dhamma, we know that in order for us to lose this, we have to distract ourselves. We understand the process of distraction because we understand the process of concentration. And of course, we no longer choose to do that because we understand the choice. But the choice isn't made now for tomorrow. The choice is made now for now. And then tomorrow, well, you can't even describe it, can you? I can't describe tomorrow. We all know we can conceptualize that we'll be living tomorrow. We'll have a cup of coffee when we wake up, if you're like me. But I can't be there. In fact, I can only imagine it. When I'm there, it'll be different because I'll actually be living it, right? When I'm having a cup of coffee tomorrow morning. It's not the same as me imagining it, is it? So in this moment, I can imagine having a life tomorrow, or I could decide to have a life right here and right now. I can decide to have a life right here and right now. This is the most fulfilling moment of my life. And I could say it this way. This is the most fulfilling my life will ever be. And that's pretty good because I'm here for it. In fact, the only qualification your life will ever need is to be present for it. Because that's the only qualification any human life ever needs. If you want to have a human life, at least as far as I understand, at least as far as the Buddha understands, you have to be well concentrated so you can be present for it. So you don't miss it. Or it just keeps going by. Going by. Next, next, next. What's next? Let's see what's next. (laughs) The Buddha continues with what's next. In this way, one remains mindful of the quality of mind in and of itself, internally and externally. One of the most powerful lines that Buddha ever made. Internally and externally. It's all the same. What's going on out there is what's going on in here. In fact, there's nothing going on out there that's not going on in here. So how am I going to characterize it? How am I going to color this world? Am I going to color it with nice calm tones with like, you know, beiges and blues and greens? Or is it all going to be black and red or black and white? And guess what? I can condition, I can color this moment any way I want. It's up to me. So how about coloring this moment in reality, in just what's here? Because that doesn't take any stress at all. There's no effort. It's simply this is what's occurring. Right here, right now. I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm not talking about resolving something that happened this afternoon or 10 years ago. 
The Dhamma is practiced right here and right now only. One remains mindful of the phenomena of the origination of qualities, qualities of mind, plural, and they were arising and passing away. These different qualities of mind, these things that make up life, they arise and pass away. There's nothing special about them. There's nothing special about one moment after the next moment, except it is the most special moment in my life. Why? Because I'm living it. And hopefully it's the same for you. So you're present for your life. And that's all that life has to answer. Is to, that's all that we have to do to answer for our life is to be present for it. The Buddha continues, there is the knowledge of the maintenance of the qualities of mind and their, and their, <laughs> and their recollection, I'm sorry. There is a knowledge of the maintenance of the qualities of mind and their recollection independent of and not clinging to anything in this world. Imagine having a mind that's, that's that liberated. It's not clinging to anything in the world. Each and every thought is a free thought. It's an independent thought. Not clinging to anything in the world. Everything is new. How and how, I guess why? How? Because I didn't drag the last minute and yesterday into this minute. I left it where it belonged. Another way that people describe sometimes awakening is enlightenment. We're lightening the load. We're not carrying all that junk that I associated with me and who I had to be and who I had to have and who I might want to be and how I want you to see me. I can leave it all in the past because it was all a big fabrication anyway, wasn't it? If I understand dependent origination, from ignorance of four noble truths comes, comes a fabrication and everything else it follows is a fabrication. It's a corruption of reality. There's no value to it. Let it go. I'm going to read that line again. There is a knowledge of the maintenance of qualities of mind and their recollection independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. This is how one remains mindful of the four noble truths in and of themselves. We remain mindful of the four noble truths in and of themselves by not dragging all the rest of the junk in. And then the four noble truths are apparent. This is stress. This is the origination of stress. This is the cessation of stress. Not picking it up. Not clinging to anything. Remaining independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. This is how one remains mindful of the four noble truths in and of themselves. The next section is called <clears throat> the effectiveness of four of the four foundations of mindfulness. This is a concluding <clears throat> section of the Satipatthana Sutta. And it includes some guarantors from the Buddha. Now, if anyone develops the four foundations of mindfulness in this manner, as described here, for seven years, one could expect their complete understanding here and now or if there is any clinging and maintaining remaining in this present life, in this present life, awakening is meant to occur in this present life, not some future life, because guess what? You don't get one. 
The only problem with Dharma practice is we don't have limitless lives. We get one life to get it in this present life, let alone seven years. If anyone develops these four foundations of mindfulness in this manner for six or five or four or three or two or one year for six months or three months, for one month, for two weeks, for seven days, for seven days, one could expect your complete understanding here and now, or if there is any clinging and maintaining remaining in this present lifetime. That's pretty good, isn't it? The Buddha is saying in this lifetime, just keep it up. If you got a few bits of this and that remaining, it's okay. The rest of Dhamma practice will take care of it. That's what the man is saying. Just keep going. This is at the conclusion, the conclusion of his teaching on the four foundations of mindfulness. Do you want to take it to its conclusion? Just keep it up. That's all. Just keep it up. And then the Buddha says this. Friends, what he just taught us, this is the direct path for the purification of all beings, for the cessation of sorrow and regret, for the disappearance of pain and distress, for establishing the right method, the right method of practice, and for complete unbinding. In other words, these four foundations of mindfulness. This is what was said by the Buddha hearing these words, those assembled were were gratified and delighted. Delighted. That's the end of the Satipatthana Sutta. So this last um, last section um, gives us some guarantors um, and tells us what exactly we're supposed to hold in mind. So maybe let's talk about that. Excuse me. Please talk about anything that you'd like to talk about. But if you'd like to talk about how you understand the four foundations of mindfulness a little bit deeper and in their practical application, um, let's hear it. Jeff, I didn't call on Jane first. Mate. You're welcome, Jane. <laughs> oh, John. Hello, Sangha. Hello, Jeff. Um. Yeah, as uh, as a as a, a foundational precept or concept upon which all the rest of the of of the logic of this builds, it's the logic of your life in a way that if you if you start with a faulty precept, you can build logically upon a faulty precept, but you arrive at a faulty conclusion that seems entirely logical yeah it's, it can be entirely logical yeah. and you're prone to want to defend the logic of that no yeah, matter how cool. absurd the ending becomes yeah well look at that i mean just i'm sorry so we've kind of decided that those that have the biggest pile or whatever you want to call it at the end wins and it's crazy isn't it yeah. and and we we um we validate that that notion all the time too yeah, it can be it can be the most stuff. It can be the most points you've collected called dollars. It can be the most followers you have, yeah. or how how popular you are. Is. Yeah, yeah. None of which is going to 
in the end relieve you of much stress it mostly creates more stress yeah and in the end you're left with the faulty results of a faulty precept yeah so uh given that you have a choice you can either build upon something that's based in i don't know what would you call it an ultimate reality or well, you, it's the only reality right yeah so what do we we have you know when you when you, <laughs> when you realize yeah. this is the only reality do you keep playing the game or you just stop playing and just say okay i won. yeah <laughs> yeah and and you know you you begin to wonder where the stress comes from well guess yeah. what it's it's because you're built on a false precept. Yeah, just a lot to suit there. Yeah. Well, I would say you got a pretty good understanding of how this how this game goes, Jeff. Yeah, maybe getting there. Yeah. How's Deborah? Uh, Deborah's uh, well, she's someplace on the Olympic Peninsula with her girlfriend camping. So All right. wow. I suspect she's doing pretty well. When you, when you talk to her, please tell her I said hello. I will do that. Thank you, John. <laughs> Thanks. How are you feeling, too? Good. I feel fine. Good. Hmm. Hello, Jane. Number two. Gave you a little break. Uh, thank you, John. Hello, uh, Jane. Thank you for the teaching. Um, there was a lot in there. I appreciate what Jeff had to say, too. Uh, we can make anything seem right, you know, logically. Yeah. But uh, for me, it all boils down to just being present for my life as it occurs without the need to be any different. And that's made the biggest difference. Yeah. It really, I mean, we've, we've bandied this phrase around for the, you know, for the entire new agey world that I've lived in. But um, now I forgot what the word was. <laughs> ah, oh, well, let's move on. I can't remember it. Thank you, Jane. Tracy. Um, I was trying to just be present to listen to what you had to say instead of thinking about what I was going to say when you called on me, <laughs> which is sometimes well, hard for me to do. What do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> um, well, the one thing that just came to me after Jeff spoke was um, he was talking about how we can make anything it's just like we can logically like sort of validate a decision we're making and then like barrel down that path and yeah. you know justify it and since starting with this this sangha um i came into it with like a lot of decisions to make about my future and i just recently made a decision against a decision that i was going to make uh decided to back <laughs> out of that because of what you're saying in this in this um, in this teaching, which is that I actually am good enough. I don't need to pursue this whole new path that, and I knew, I knew in my, my heart that pursuing this path wasn't for coming from the right view. It was coming from mental fabrication that I needed to like prove myself yeah. beyond. It was an acquisition. Correct. Yeah. Um, and I actually withdrew from this direction I was going today. And wow. so um, I feel very grateful that there was a halt. <laughs> Do not proceed. Yeah. You know, just stay put, just be here and enjoy 
you know, where you're at and, you know, let life sort of arise as it will. So uh, I, I, I would say that's pretty, that's pretty good. That's, yeah. That's pretty good. I could say there was a, a benefit already from the practice. Well, and give yourself a lot of credit too, because you put yourself here present and you applied the Dhamma the way it's intended. And, you know, this is the result. And the result is, we talk about all the time, liberation, isn't it? And what are you liberating yourself from? But really from yourself. More stress than that. Yeah. I realized I was barreling down a path yeah. with a lot of stress. Yeah. Have you read, or have I taught this a lot to suit to why you've been coming? No. No, David would know. You might want to read it. Okay. Me, because it really, it just relates. S-A-L, I can't remember, S-A-L-L. You have it on the website. I'm yeah, Salata, S-A-L. It's either one L or two Ls. S-A-L, maybe two Ls. A-T-H-A, maybe two Ts. <laughs> Good assignment. I'll find it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, and that relates, what you just said relates to what, you know, what I've been saying. It, it, this is the moment for me to suffer if I want, you know. And if I don't want, I don't have to. It's all up to me. Yeah. And that sounds almost like, a, a, like a, I'm throwing it around like a child's fantasy, but it's the truth. You know, it's and it, and what would and, an awakened, fully mature human being say, except, yeah, I understand what's going on. And what else is there to say? Yeah. And I have to just, I'll say one more thing and then I'll pass, pass but. Um, it might have been the first time in my life at I'll be 40 this coming year that I ever really realized that it's up to me. You know, like I always was proving myself for all these sort of amorphous reasons. Yep. Not realizing that nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. And if you investigate, <laughs> investigate the cause of the reason, you really can't find it. You yeah. can say, well, my fifth grade teacher said this. Yeah. None Nobody, of has, nobody's yeah. thinking about me or yeah. what I'm doing, except for me, you know. Yeah. So. And it's always been that way, you know. It's, I mean, knew. since the time you were a little girl, since I was, I was a little boy, it's all been a fantasy. Yeah, until crazy. right here, right now. Really mind blowing. So yeah. simple and so mind blowing. Thank yeah. you so much for the teaching. Well, thank you for participating so wholeheartedly, and you know, you reap the benefits of it. And it's that is, it's just that way, you know. Um, it's just teachers left. So let's, uh, let's hear from the teachers. I'll start over here with Ron. Hello, Ron. Well, I didn't ask Tracy, do you mind being on camera? No. You might get picked up here. Yeah, here's Tracy and Ron. I'm oh, sorry I didn't put you on when you were talking. I was you present? just now. I'm, I'm present. <laughs> A little fuzzy from the edge. <laughs> <clears throat> I was reminded just now of, of what the Buddha said to Ananda <clears throat> that I'm not a teacher with a closed fist. And, and you know, this whole sutta is the Buddha being like the teacher with the open hand. Yeah, called nothing back. Handing you and spelling it out from beginning to end. This is the method, you know, and I'll tell you what the method is. I'll tell you why this method is here, and I'll tell you how to do it, and I will tell you what it's going to give you. Mm -hmm. And 
I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah, guarantee. It's, you know, has it, it, ever been a more generous teacher? Yeah. The Earl Scheib was down at Dama Teachers. Nobody knows the Earl Scheib. <laughs> yeah, he, he used to sell $49 paint jobs. <laughs> midnight to 3 o'clock in the morning. Now you know how I spent my misspent years. Yeah. Earl Scheib. Put out the sword in the fire. But yeah, it's, um, ah, there's such solidity in this, in this, just in this teaching. Just in the end of it. Yeah. This is it. I guarantee. Yeah. Do this. Yeah. And and one of the things it says in the beginning, this is the right way to practice. Yeah. Well, and think about that in the setting, because everybody that was passing through said exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. All the all the spiritual teachers. Where where the the Buddha was living on a, a a trade route. You know, through all the all the countries up there, Nepal, down into China, um, Southeast Asia, everybody went through there. So everybody came through there, and all the great teachers came through there as well. And every great teacher said the same thing I say, and we say, "I got it! I got the answer! I got the answer!" But the difference was, the Buddha said, "You can find out for yourself." Yeah, and it's going to happen now. And it's going to happen now. You don't have to wait for me to say you are awakened. In fact, the teacher here really has very little to do, right? That's why you can see, that's why we have so many teachers in here because, <laughs> I mean, really, it, it should be something. Um, I should be able to teach it in a way that you can teach it or I'm not a very good teacher, right? If it's something that's learnable, by human beings, and, they, and there's nothing that isn't learnable by human beings, right? And I remember, I, I really believe that if I can learn something and teach it, anybody can. I don't, I, I, in fact, I know I'm nothing special. I mean, to me, I am because I'm all I have, me and Bodhi. But that's how every human being is. You know, my, my inner greatness doesn't distract from your inner greatness. In fact, it's kind of silly to even call it that, right? It's best if I describe myself as Popeye did. I am what I am. We all are. And so you can say things like, and I'm really magnificent if I need to pat myself on the back in this moment. Or I can let go of those kind of things and just say, this moment is the same as the last moment. It's the same as the next moment. And I'm pretty happy to have a life. I'd be crazy to think otherwise. Wouldn't I be? I mean, and I really would be. I mean, if I if I hated my life so much that I didn't want to live it, that's a, a sign of mental illness in one one way or another, isn't it? Right. I'm talking about an extreme now, but even even the the um, the ongoing melancholy that can affect some people, especially today, because life is just so difficult, or it seems much harder now than it's ever been my lifetime anyway. But it's not. You know, it's just another moment in time that we can do whatever we want with it, no matter what's going on. It's up to us. But Tracy, you described it wonderfully well. Just not going there, just staying here, and and actually making it uh, and setting a direction that for right now that has its own momentum too, doesn't it? 
and you were able to establish that with a clear mind. That doesn't mean that every decision we ever make is going to be the right decision, meaning it won't lead to any anything, any difficulties. It likely will. In yeah, fact, yeah. I can almost guarantee it because there is Duca. Well, you're present for it. You can also be present for the necessity for change. Yeah, and and so it, it's not it's not surprising that um, good decisions or good directions that I set for myself sometimes lead to difficulties. It doesn't mean that I made a bad decision or, I, or I'm a bad decision maker. It just means, guess what? I'm living my life, and now I'm present for it. Now I can learn from it. Now I can I can enjoy the so-called mistakes. Oh, I ended up at the wrong doctor's office the other day. I actually took an Uber to the wrong place. <laughs> I think I made this pop in my head, so. But it was fun. I mean, I was sitting in one doctor's office calling Uber to take me to another doctor's office, then calling that doctor's office and say, guess what? I'm sitting at Dr. So-and-so's. When I should be over and sitting with you, I'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> Such is life. It was an, something new that I thought would never happen to me. <laughs> but it did. Thank you. Here's Kevin. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for this teaching, John. Uh, you know, I think it's been said and reiterated tonight that noticing the quality of your mind when you're in your life, you know, the Buddha could have said, you know, he's the first point. First person up until his uh, time that really said enough is enough. You know? yeah. That's it. It's, that's kind of what it is. It's, yeah. Each moment is enough. If you're in it. Yeah. Remember what he said when, about Lara Kalama and Udeka Ramapuk. He said, these guys are going here and everywhere. They're going to all these great places. It's just, it's just a waste of time. He hit the brakes. Yeah. He said, it's, it's going on in your own head. Yeah. That's that's the point when your life starts, when you understand that, right? Like you said, so really yeah, great knew, to hear that. Even, even this story, I should tell the story about his awakening, how he was fighting with Mara. You know, Mara is, is, our, is our own um, ego personality, dragging us here, dragging us there, dragging us always down a dark hole instead of right. being present. It's curious to see it in, in everyday life, you know, I mean, recent experience, you know, not even being in a new place and being with new people and yeah. I found myself there sometimes that, you know, hey, this, this is enough. Enough is enough. I'm here. I'm in a, in a special place. I don't need to worry about what's going on in this part of the group or what's going on, you know, where I'm going to fit into this group. It was, it happened, you know, and it, it, yeah. was, it was new people every day I'd be playing golf with and whatever happened the one day I didn't get dragged into the next. Everybody got along and it was like, cool. But, you know, I didn't need to go there and in my own head and worry about, you know, anything like, you know, because that can happen in, in, in an unfamiliar place. Your mind is going to go places, you know, I'm, I'm well, remember to follow that. where these guys are going. Do I go here? You know, everybody I... during the Buddhist time, everybody believed they needed salvation, whether you were part of a monastery or a following or you were a householder, you still for the most part, bought into the need that somehow you got to be saved. And that's that's how even the Buddha could walk up to people's houses in the morning and knock on the door, give them a little teaching and get a bowl of rice out of it because they felt they were getting something of value. They were getting their soul saved, even though it was something different. But the, the, think about this 
you know, the, the most radical thinker of all time is out there teaching this completely different than what everybody else was teaching. You don't need salvation. All you need to do is wake up. Pay attention to your own mind instead of all those other minds out there. And that was different than what everything, what everybody was teaching during his time. And I, it seems to be still true. Thank you, Kevin. Fountain teacher, David. So he made reference to the Kalamas along yeah. the trade route. Yeah. And why would they know the difference? If they were confused, if heard similar things, why, why was the way different? Said, you'll feel it. Yeah, you'll know for yourself. Yeah, you know, you reference to Mara. You'll feel it. You'll feel that. And, you know, you have to resist the urge, the inclination to try to adapt and change what the Buddha is teaching because there must be one. There must be. Yeah. You know, there must be something more special. And everybody that's touched it did the same thing. So it elaborated or passed yeah. the point of usefulness. So, you know, we, we as practitioners have to resist that urge because you'll feel it like, oh, this isn't working. So I'll try to tweak it. Yeah. it just, I think the message is just keep practicing in that. It will start washing over you. Yeah. And it does, it's a gradual thing. And it's all about being aware that a hindrance arises, that there's doubt. Resist trying to tweak it and look elsewhere. And that takes concentration, that takes yeah. mindfulness. It takes patience. And that's as simple as it, as it is. Perseverance. Perseverance. Yeah. Going up that mountain. And that itself is rooted, in, you said refuge earlier too. But it's rooted in a, in a, you know, you could almost teach the, a, a certain sutta, the first class, of, the, the first time anybody comes to class. And but what, which, which one would it be? Ratana Sutta, you know, this sutta. The Four Noble Truths, you know, the Saga Vibhanga Sutta, the Saka Vibhanga Sutta. What is the one right one? There is no right one. Samsapa. Samsapa Sutta. Bahia Sutta. Bahia Sutta. Where do you start? But we started in the right place for Tracy. Okay. Always the first sutta. It just happened to be you starting a whole new series of classes. I got lucky. Actually, we did. I know. I see these. I see all of them. May I ask a quick question? Sure. Um, I'm sure everybody asked this question, so I'll just get it out of the way. Okay, you got to go on camera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've all been talking about not uh, resisting changing what the Buddha originally taught. Yeah. Did he or did he not teach about reincarnation and <coughs> karma? Uh, <coughs> what do you think? I think probably not. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Because I just wanted a, to, yeah, we, I don't, we don't need to go on and on about it. I just was so curious. Yeah, uh, no, but you, that was part of it. Yeah, I think you, you just kind of, well, it's a major thing, isn't it? Reincarnation and, and I guess modern new age thought. Uh, but no, he didn't, he didn't teach reincarnation because if, 
it has no relation to this human life. Right. We get one human life. Because you said that earlier, we get one life, and I'm like, do we only get one life? Because I heard. <laughs> well, he, we don't, as far as he was concerned, and he, I mean, honestly concerned, because you can't know, you can't know what you can't know. So why even bother thinking about it, or why even bother fabricating, imagining it? Because it is. I mean, isn't it? Right. I mean. We can talk about a future life or, or hundreds of future lives, but it's pure speculation. Why would he teach that this method will guarantee results in this lifetime? Yeah, if, if, he, if, he, didn't, if he didn't need he to didn't do that. that all the, you know, whatever could happen afterwards or has happened before is inconsequential. Or even, I mean, if, if I can somehow, through this certain ritual, or prayers, or a combination thereof, get into heaven. And I really believe it. I'm going to spend every minute of this life to make sure I get there. And guess what happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I missed the only life I get to have. You had the perfect. And it, you, we you talked perfect, about that coming perfect, in. You said, I haven't come up with a question or a scenario that isn't answered. Yeah. Where's reincarnation? What, the, what does that do for your stress right now? Yeah. Reincarnation does nothing for it. If the Buddha did teach you, be mindful of what you're giving birth to. That's what the Dhamma is. What am I giving birth to in this moment? Is, is the only birth that I can give. What am I giving birth to in this moment? And that's based on what I'm holding in mm -hmm. mind. If what I'm holding in mind is referencing Four Noble Truths, then I will give birth to myself. But, but the world benefits as well, right? And, at least there's not somebody else who's out there crazy blowing up post offices or something. I don't know why I thought of that. <laughs> um, I never thought of that, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just resting in peace. I'm calm. There, there's no, I don't, I don't, I haven't brought any question into this moment because the questions have been answered, right? And now I'm just living my life, but now I can apply my energies to right here, not something that might have happened. It seems strange. I'm talking to Tracy, but she's on camera. <laughs> um, talking to all of you. Um, the idea, I just think about this, the idea that I could have another life is insane. It's just a yeah, but, but to, to insist on it, what I have to do is insist on having, I got, first I have to fabricate the idea, I'm going to have another life sometime in the future, and then I have to decide that I agree with that idea. But where did the idea come from? <laughs> you know, I, again, so we, you really can't hold, we, we, Jeff started talking about logic, you can't really apply logic to how the world is, because there's no logic to it. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, except it makes the only sense that it can, which is, you know, I get it characterized by one word, and it, it's characterized it beautifully. There is dukkha. There it is. You know, where, I mean, as David said as a few times today, the Four Noble Truths covers it all. There's nothing outside of it. And so within that, we can start coming to some of the conclusions that you're coming to, Tracy. And it, it's interesting that as you're 
developing the Dhamma, you're also applying it, but not, you're applying it to the future, but not in an expectation kind of way. It, from your experience right here, right now, now you have what we call sometimes in here, the inner poise, you know it, you own it, now you can bring it into the next moment with, with calm, with reassurance that, yeah, I know in this moment, if, I, if this is what is occurring, and that's what is occurring. I can choose this, and I know the result will be what? It will be calm. And that's how we develop, you know, our uh, our dhamma chops, if you will. You know, just through that direct experience. Um, did I get you, David? Yes. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to go on to the to the Jhana Sutta. I think is our next class. Um, the schedule is going to be backed up a week if you're following it, because I thought Tom taught this class last week. I taught this class this week. So we, we, we you know, you know, the schedule is a little bit out of whack, but uh, I'll, I'll get it in the email on um, probably Friday. I don't know if I'll be sending a Wednesday email out um, for a while. There really is no reason to know that there's no other class. So. Um, that's it. Any other questions or comments? It's another great question, Tracy. Um, all right, we'll finish with Meta as we normally do. So take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath. And let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on Meta from the Karaniya Meta Sutta. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed <clears throat> from all sense desires, they abandon ignorance of four noble truths. Having completed the path, they are not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class tonight. Thank you. Thank you, John.
Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.